If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Hello, everyone. Welcome to a very special interview episode of The Instance. A uh, Somebody been trying to get on for a long time. Didn't want to chat with him, discuss the kind of work he does, because as it turns out, uh, players of video games in general, you've very likely heard much of what he's done. He's a multiple award-winning composer, best known for his long-standing relationship with Blizzard Entertainment and uh, a contributor to m- music for all their popular franchises, but in particular World of Warcraft. Starcraft, some Heroes of the Storm tracks I really love, Hearthstone, Diablo, and uh, the original lead composer of World of Warcraft, the most successful online game in the world. That's that theme you all love, and it's got Jason's name written all over it. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the program, Jason Hayes. Hey, Scott. That's a very generous introduction. Thank you very much. (laughs) No worries. Actually, one of my favorite things about digging around for some information uh, that I didn't know about you, because I followed your work for a long time, but I didn't know that you did some early voice work in like the late 90s for things like, uh, let's see, the original StarCraft, you were a Corsair voice. And also it says here that you did a Firebat, Arbiter, and Probe voices for uh, StarCraft as well. That's just awesome, dude. Yeah, it's very lucky. That was a different era of Blizzard for sure. They'd gone through a lot of changes, but being involved in the voice for the games was really, really fun for me. I loved directing the voice actors, which I did do along with Glenn Stafford. And I got to voice a few roles, too. So, uh, you know, probably most embarrassingly, there was the hero unit, Artanis, Uh who had a lot of lines, which really is made for an actor who can actually do the job well. It was too many lines. It was too demanding of a role. And uh, I I thought that I ended up sounding pretty amateurish. Uh, So they ended up getting a fantastic voice actor for StarCraft II. Uh, playing Artanis during the final chapter of the uh, StarCraft II trilogy. Yeah. And I think that he was just brilliant. A super improvement over me as Artanis. Well, he did a really good job, but I would I would also say part of the good job was he carried it forward in a way that didn't feel like too big of a change. It didn't feel like a, uh, you know, for example, the, the original uh, voice of Tyrael in Diablo II, uh, or one for that matter, in three is so different. It's like a completely different sounding guy and it works for the game, but it, it's just really kind of not takes you out of it, but it, you know, it kind of kicks you a little bit and goes, Oh yeah, right. This is a totally different dude. At least he yeah. kind of had some of the sort of machinations of your take on Artanis and he carried those forward. And I don't know. I thought that was kind of impressive. It felt like I was still, you know, we were still working with that same character and he's taken on, I know a popularity all his own. Now these days, everyone loves Artanis. So that's a cool legacy as well. The 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 original voice of Artanis is is a pretty cool thing to have on your resume. It's pretty cool. I mean, look, doing the voices is way cooler than anything with music. I mean, my wife <laughs> has done voices for the Blizzard games for years and years, right? Starting with the original StarCraft, where she was the uh, the advisor. She was the the female computer voice that would advise you that a nuclear launch was detected. Oh, and wow! That's, that's always awesome. been like profoundly cooler. Been working on the music. I've had people just go, 
berserk about that because <laughs> you know it's a cool thing right to be someone who's played like she played the medic in starcraft and she played the original uh advisor and 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 those are really cool roles and uh definitely the kind of thing that uh, it's it's great you know it's really cool for her to be a part of that experience yeah what a, what an awesome thing unless she ever gets super ticked at you she can just from the other room go nuclear launch detected and then you know you're in huge trouble <laughs> yeah, don't play around with that yeah i can see how that would work but that's really cool i didn't i didn't realize that and, and again very iconic stuff but at the time and i have to imagine and we'll get into you know kind of the evolution of all of this but at the time in those heady days of the mid-90s when Blizzard was just a small, growing, uh, albeit very respected studio, uh, certainly by players, people loved what they were putting out. But, you know, this wasn't; these weren't post-WoW days. That must have been a really interesting transition to watch. It must have been I- insane, actually, because they went from, I don't know, dozens of employees to thousands in a matter of a uh, couple of years there and then blizzcon happened in the middle of all of that and that started to be a thing and things just really blew up between you know 2004 and let's say 2008 what was that like for you as somebody who was there kind of that whole time and also being asked you know to do music and work for some pretty big iconic you know games that would go down in video game history as some of the most important we've ever had well, it was super crazy. I mean, just watching the evolution of all that over the years with Blizzard. Uh, I know with StarCraft, the original team, we were a small group of guys. I joined in in the last nine months of development of that game. It was already well underway, really underway, but it got really crazy at the end. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was fun being a part of that process during that last nine months. You know, a lot of stuff gets done at the very last uh, year. It was just a lot of stuff. But you know, when we finished that game, we thought, oh, my goodness, that was really just a gigantic enterprise. And it was just a lot of work and everyone was exhausted. And we were just like, never again. <laughs> we want to ship a game with a team size this big. You know, it's like way too big at 23 people. Yeah. So we thought that was like a huge team for a game. Yeah. And, you know, no one had any idea that years later. You know, we'd be looking at a, a dinner for World of Warcraft where you had maybe 200 people in attendance that were working on the game. So yeah, a lot of change at the company over the years, for sure. Yeah, and it's it, it's always fascinated me because um, companies, this isn't, I mean, it certainly isn't exclusive to video games or even Blizzard, but companies are known to struggle with that kind of rapid growth that can really, you know, teeter the ship or in some cases completely fall apart for a lot of companies. And Blizzard seemed to be able to do it. I know that there's, you know, uh, plenty of war stories about how chaotic it can be behind the scenes, especially when it comes to crunch time, when you've got to launch a product and so on. Uh, but it always felt to me, and you can, you know, confirm this or deny this, but it always felt to me that Blizzard held in such high regard the end result quality of everything. It was just worth it. You know what I mean? Like, it, it, it may have meant, you know, some hardcore crunch at some point. It may have meant, uh, just a lot of really sweaty people not getting home for days <laughs> trying to get something out. But in the end, they just always adhered to this polished sort of quality output thing. And I certainly the music is a I include that in there. Um, was it was it like that? I mean, did it feel did you feel that kind of growth insanity? And are you surprised that it all turned out as well as it did? Well, when you know, when you deal with a brand that was that is as respected as blizzard was even at the time that i joined they had already been highly highly successful mm-hmm. uh with you know warcraft 2 was was super successful diablo was 
just released and that was doing really really well and so with a with a brand that that's that golden of a reputation you know it's like they really knew not to mess with it they we don't can release a game unless it's really excellent otherwise you're going to tarnish the brand and so i think they've always been great about that you know on 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 one hand it means that you're not going to ship a game in the time frame that you'd like to because it needs to get done and be really great but on the plus side you always release things that are just that are just fantastic and wonderful and fun to play and and you know are great for the for basically letting the brand still shine sure and there there are moments getting to the music a little bit there are moments in uh, Blizzard history where the music is as iconic as the experience or it's the sort of thing where you just associate it with everything you loved about that experience. Starcraft was like that for me. Um, all I have to hear is some Terran music now, even in Heroes of the Storm, a variation of that on, in a level or something. And just, it takes me back. And it takes me back to those hours I spent with my friends and you know, knowing I had to get up early, but didn't care. And, you know, I just had to keep playing and playing and playing. The music just adhered to your brain and stayed there. It was very sticky. And World of Warcraft, I think, really blew that out of the water. That theme, the login screen theme, everyone calls it, uh, was really something else at the time. Nobody had really gone this far with orchestrated sort of quality music throughout the experience, not just in the intros. And I guess I would ask you, is that... True. I mean, we're, we're, did Blizzard kind of blaze a trail since you were there and you were responsible for that stuff, including the very song I'm talking about, the very piece I'm talking about? Do you feel like there was a a desire to like, you know, take that stuff to the next level? And we were moving away from MIDI and keyboard based stuff and moving far farther into just more, I don't know, orchestrated full pieces like that. I don't, I don't think so. And so, and so far as that, uh, you know, it's not so much a trailblazing thing. I think it's more like, you know, the whole beginning of my involvement in video games and, you know, certainly at Blizzard, it was all done on keyboards. Mm-hmm. There was, there was, you know, it was all done electronically. There was no live orchestra at all. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it was just about simulating the sound. A lot of this stuff was written, you know, as orchestral music, but it was written on keyboards and, it was just a function of, you know, the budgets at the time and, and, you know, what could be done and you can do a lot, you know, with electronics. Mm-hmm. And so I, I got used to kind of trying to make, make it come to life without the use of live players. But what's great is to see that over the years, as you know, the success uh, has brought larger budgets and the team has gotten a, an appreciation for what that kind of um, quality can do for the experience. We've seen now, it's very common mm-hmm. um, for there to be, when it's orchestral music, for there to be a live orchestra. Right. So I think that that's a wonderful thing that's afforded by, and now we have a larger budget to work with. But uh, yeah, I think the thing that put it over the top at Blizzard to be able to do that the first time was with the cinematics. I mean, I was doing things on keyboards, even you know on World of Warcraft originally, it was mm-hmm. all done on keyboards at first but when we got ready to do the uh, the cinematics introduce the game the cinematics team got behind the idea that we should do this and make it really impressive and Mm -hmm. do it with a live a group of musicians Mm -hmm. so um we managed to sell the idea of doing a live orchestra for that one cinematic Mm -hmm. and because we actually happened to have some players coming in and certainly we had a choir coming in for that cinematic I was able to leverage that choir 
and a few other cues as well for, mm. for WOW, even though the original score was not done with full orchestra, but we got to use the choir on things like the Stormwind theme because the choir was was already there. Yeah. So that was a wonderful thing. Yeah, that turned out really good. And it's uh, funny we're talking about this now. We are now in the shadow of the release of of Classic, World of Warcraft Classic, which Bills are just hit uh, the market with about a month ago, and a little less. And uh, we're back to hearing all that again. You know, there's that intro, there's that cinematic, there's that uh, opener, and there's that login screen. And it's taking a lot of people back in very nostalgic ways to a very early part of their WoW history. And it's really fun to see people's reactions to all of that. But moreover, I was, well, I've been continually impressed, but I remember in 2004 wondering if that cinematic would ever feel old or dated to me. And it's weird how it doesn't. It's strange that anything from 04, and if you go look at any competing CGI-based directed content for games or even film, some film stuff at the time, does not hold up after years of innovation, which is often true. For some reason, given the stylization of WoW or the characterizations or the way the world looks, I don't know what it is that makes it still seem just as cool today and just as technically... Uh, capable today as it does as it did then i don't know how that actually worked but certainly the music's a big part of it well it's extremely fortunate to work on that stuff because they have you know one of the best cinematics teams i mean they did then and they were trying to put it together however they could with a much smaller team Mm -hmm. uh and you know of course now it's a very big team but uh, they've always been just outstanding and you know one guy will spend time just working on the hair for a character mm-hmm. and that'll be like his or her project is making the hair amazing mm-hmm. and uh, when you have that kind of attention to uh to that level of detail uh it really shows it makes a big difference yeah it really does and i remember um i was talking to russell brower not long ago ah, it's been a couple of years now in an interview on this show where he was discussing different things about the music and the different collaborations of d- the different uh, composers and so on that were working for blizzard um how much of Blizzard's music is, is it all in-house? Do do people sometimes, or some people come in as sort of contract composers occasionally? Like, just structurally, how, how does that work? Because I know they like to do a lot of stuff in-house. It's like, we want artists here. We want our animators here. We want, we don't want to sub this sort of stuff out. Is the, is the music uh, work the same way there? Well, we've always had a very strong uh, bond as a core team. You know, and it's a situation that, you know, for years, it was just, you know, Glenn and I and Derek Duke. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then, of course, Russell came along and then, you know, Russell made a huge imprint on things. And uh, and, you know, we have a variety of people, even Brian Farr, who specializes in sound design now at Blizzard. But uh, but, you know, he's very much he loves music and he's a musician, too. Mm-hmm. So we had a very tight team uh, working on things. And I think it's always been that way. But of course, you know, there's a lot of work to be done. And we've had people do a small tour of duty, helping out with music, uh, had various people come come in and do various things. And, you know, nowadays, I don't know. I think that there's just tons of needs across all the projects going on at Blizzard. And uh, and I know that Russell has had to deal with, you know, for many years on how to uh, how to meet those needs. And I think you had to bring in lots of help for, for at various times. Right. But uh, all that stuff was even beyond my awareness. I would basically just work on the things that uh, that were going on. That uh, as the company I got bigger, I got less uh, aware of the whole range of things that were going on for sure. Right. I, I would have a I have a feeling it would probably 
be that way for a lot of aspects of the company. The bigger it got, the more weirdly, the, the more focus individual departments would get because you can't possibly keep sort of track of everything anymore. And they're just now you got so many people. I mean, I don't know what they are now, like 6,000 people or something spread around wow, the world. Yeah. I mean, that's a lot of freaking people. And to see that kind of growth in about 15 years is just, that must've been something to witness. Now I promised myself I wasn't going to harp on this too much, but I got to bring this up. You're from new Orleans. Is that correct? Yes, I am. All right. You don't have your accent anymore, which is totally fine. Uh, <laughs> my, uh, my wife is about 30 minutes outside of there. That's where she's from. And, uh, Bay St. Louis, uh, Mississippi actually bits out 30 minutes or so to, to New Orleans. And so I have some connection down there to that part of the world. And I wonder, uh, growing up, did the, did the music scene there affect your decision to want to pursue music or was that not part of all this? Did, uh, just curious about that as part of your background. Well, I love, I love Louisiana. It's where I'm from. I, I don't, I don't think I've ever had the accent like my family does. Mm -hmm. Um, I've always, I've always not sounded like, you know, never had a a thick Cajun accent. Mm. Uh, and I even don't even look like a lot of my family. It's interesting. You know, I look like I was Photoshopped into my family pictures with me just kind of peeking (laughs) out waving and it looks like I was edited in, but I'm actually Cajun through and through. I love the food. Uh, and I do love the music. And I think that, you know, it's hard not to be, influenced by all the wonderful culture in that area i know for sure you know going to new orleans with a buddy of mine and you know watching a small jazz group play together i saw the astral project uh play at this little club called snug harbor Mm -hmm. and it was such a cool experience to be that close to such incredible musicians and uh that stuff you know you hope it gets, gets into your bloodstream because they've got just wonderful musicians out there well if uh, you're ever in salt lake city my wife will make a big batch of jambalaya and, we'll, and everyone will be happy so look forward well, to that and I'll, I'll make the gumbo <laughs> okay good you can't have you can't have southern food without the gumbo it's true uh well yeah. i i'm also curious about some of the stuff that you've been involved with outside of games and outside of blizzard um Anything in particular that really jumps at you? Like, I know you've done uh, part of Video Games Live there for a while. That had to have been really cool. I've always meant to see one of those shows and just never got a chance to do it. Um, but I know you've been you've spoken at some colleges and doing some other that other stuff. Like, what outside of games music gives you the most satisfaction these days? Well, you know, it's it, that Video Games Live, I mean, it's directly related to games. But, boy, I feel just lucky to have been involved and, and, and just kind of be a fly on the wall as they developed that show uh, over the years. And, and every single time I can go out there, I do it because it's a contagious energy that they, that they rally, mm-hmm. um, you know, going to that very first Hollywood bowl show they did in Los Angeles with 11,000 people. I think it was in the audience uh, was just breathtaking. So that was, that was killer. And I just feel grateful to have been involved, to be, to be there for that. And, uh, and every time I go back to see one of those shows, uh, that's how I feel. I just feel very fortunate uh, to be in this industry and, and to be part of that celebration mm-hmm. and to, to, to really witness the passion that people have for video games. Right. When I've talked to other blizzard long timers, uh, Chris Metzen is an example, comes on the show here and there. We'll have a chat about, Stuff had some recent interviews with him, and he um, 
he seems to, well, you guys all seem to be about the, the same in this regard. You're all incredibly humble about the early goings on and your role in it. Um, and I think that's really interesting. I think you've sort of indicated this a couple of times here and then with me off, off air about how you just felt incredibly lucky uh, to have been there when you were there and when this all kind of hit. Um, what do you think that is? I've yet to meet a cocky blizzard person, and I don't know why that is. Do you, is there just some, some kind of weird inherent humility that's like blown through the vents in that company or something? Or Because I don't, I don't, I don't I, I'm sure there's stuff I don't know, but you know what I mean? Like everybody I talk to, they just all seem like, oh, I just, I couldn't even believe it was happening or when it was happening, we didn't even know what we had until it was, you know, too late or that sort of thing. It's what I always hear from you guys. I think it's just, you know, a reinforcement of the idea that um, all these projects are made uh, with a team of people that come together to do it. Mm -hmm. And there's not one mastermind that's sitting there just thinking up all the ideas. And, uh, and, you know, they're, they're really big on reinforcing that in the culture, but it's also, evidenced by the fact that you know you sit in some of those meetings and you hear some of the ideas flying around and it's a situation where you know everyone has a lot of respect for the fact that this group comes together to make this stuff and it's just not one person uh brainstorming ideas off by themselves so uh, that's where the magic happens is through that collaboration yeah it's that's also again what chris said like he 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 tends to be a target of a lot of praise and a lot of people think oh all the best ideas came from chris and he is always quick to say eh, it's a room full of people and sometimes my idea is terrible but there are five people in that room that are so good at taking my bad ideas somewhere else and making them good that they are the ones that should get the credit and i just find that kind of collaboration super interesting and i feel like it's the reason why blizzard uh has been able to pull off what they've been able to pull off in the relatively short amount of time that they've done it um, well, you got to appreciate guys like Chris Metzen because there's something really special about someone who's so charismatic that they can talk about their ideas and everyone's just has that infectious energy. And that's Chris completely. I mean, he's definitely got that wonderful charisma. You know, another guy that's been that way in the very, very formative stages of Blizzard, uh, the guy that started the whole thing, right, mm -hmm. was Alan, Alan Adham. Mm -hmm. And so Alan is a super charismatic guy. It's like I remember just being so inspired by his soft-spoken nature, but you would just be stuck on every word of what he had to say because you know you were a believer, and mm -hmm. and he has that quality. That's interesting because uh, he's not this is not so much the front-facing guy. Of course, he was gone for a long time and then came back. Is there now uh, working on incubator stuff, which is super exciting. Um, but yeah, he's never. No one's ever really been able to you know because he's not the stage guy, right? It's not the one. The, that's pub publicly facing, but I've heard this multiple times that internally, you know, he was, he was inspiring people, including his, you know, his co-founders. And he was really a, a lot of the creative driver early on and continues to this day. And that's, that's interesting confirmation to hear that from you. Um, cause you just don't hear a lot well, about him. I wish he got more credit than he gets. Cause I think, you know, just because he's not keynote at every BlizzCon, people just assume, well, he's just, you know, a quiet guy that never talks to anybody, but really he's, you know, guy's got ideas, obviously. Well, the amazing thing for me is seeing a guy who is also wears that that very well, which is Mike Morheim, right? And he's obviously been very front facing uh, in his in his tenure as president of the company. Mm -hmm. But it's cool to see how he's kind of developed that persona over the years. He 
to me, when I first met Mike, he came across like he was this shy programmer. Mm -hmm. And, and certainly I think there, that was definitely who he is, but to see how he's um, dealt with the growth of the company and taken on uh, the way that he goes and he gives the speeches and things. I mean, he really has risen to the occasion and because I know him from, you know, when he was just that shy guy programming, I see how much um, he's developed in that way. And it's really, it's really exciting to see. I mean, mm -hmm. it, it's the kind of situation where you see Mike uh, up there uh, delivering a speech, you know, at BlizzCon. And I feel like, wow, look how, how he's come a long way and being able to, to, to wear that mantle mm -hmm. effectively. And, yeah. uh, and it's, it's really, it's really cool to see. Yeah. I, I admire him a lot for that. And lots of other reasons as well, but I hope he's enjoying this retirement and he's not too, not too busy with uh, too many things and that he's actually taking some time off. Cause that was a, that was a heck of a tenure. That guy ran. Uh, Talk about was there. Yeah. It was pretty crazy. So, all right. To kind of sum things up, I wanted to ask specifically this, uh, You've done a number of pieces for various games over the years, um, some extremely notable. Of those, do you have one that you just kind of have a little secret love affair with? <laughs> like you just really loved making that piece, working with others on it, uh, hearing the final bit, still hear it now and go, oh, yeah, man, that's my that's the one. Do you, are any of those uh, do any of those jump out or are they, or are they all like, you know, I always, I always hear this from people. It's like, well, if you work in a creative field, everyone else loves everything you do. But, you know, like in my case, I'll, I'll do some art and then I'll hate it for about a year because I just worked on it so hard and long. And then a year later, I'll go, oh, you know what? That was actually all right now that I'm out of this shroud of I'm sick of working on this or I don't think it turned out as well as it could be or whatever. I start to see it through other people's eyes. Uh, so maybe you've got that, too. It seems like a lot of creatives do. But back to my original question is there anything like that where you're like man that was awesome well you know it's 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 a situation where a lot of these things end up becoming um having a, their own life of their own because of the way they're used and that's been an exciting thing to see certain themes or certain ideas that are leveraged in a way where they become a part of what's considered to be you know a a, a main part of a certain franchise i've seen that happen a couple times with themes in Warcraft, it's been great to see, you know, a theme like the Call to Arms theme mm -hmm. being used by marketing a lot, right? So all of a sudden now, you know, we see Mr. T, you know, on his night elf walk, and he's <laughs> run, he's running, he's I'm sorry, he's riding, yeah, uh, you know, and and you hear a Call to Arms, which you know I would have never imagined it be used in that way with that uh, <laughs> with Mr. T. So these things take on a life of their own, and it's really fun to see. But you know, for me, I mean. One thing that stands out to me is the kind of music that was written much later on. Yeah. Um, after I, we had already, you know, put a lot of music in the world and I came back to World of Warcraft after being away for a time mm -hmm. and I got involved in the patch cycle, you know, of Pandaria. And that's when I came back to Warcraft again after oh. being away for a while. Yeah. And it's really fun to have that experience of working on the game at that point, because now we're not trying to fill every area with tons of music. So there's something to play. Yeah. I mean, there were, there was hours and hours and hours of music that was written for, for world of Warcraft. So now it's about surgically trying to figure out, well, where can we do something special where we might want to call out something. And for me, I really enjoyed coming back to a while 
and working on the theme for Jaina Proudmore. Mm. That was like mm. a great experience because now suddenly I had this thing I was chasing after in video games and at Blizzard for a while, which is, you know, a more lyrical, gentle kind of a theme. Mm-hmm. And being able to write that for Jaina and, and give her this kind of lyrical sound that, of course, at the time she was known as being this complete, tough, you know, very, very, um, people had a conflicted feeling about Jaina because um, she's very powerful and she was being a little angry at the time. Yeah, she but, was ticked. Yeah. Yeah. But I was thinking about, you know, kind of the whole journey she's been on. And I got to write something for her that tried to speak to her and, and you know, her soul. And it was really fun to write that. And it's also fun to see, you know, later on, even recently, uh, goodness, during Battle for Azeroth, seeing them take Jaina and her make a reappearance in a really special way in the story. And then have them use that theme as part of the um, as part of the cinematics again, yeah. reprising that theme and, and using it in a really cool, touching way. And and it was it was really exciting to see. And I had to basically write to Taryn Gregory and team and say, "Wow, I just love what you guys did with Jaina with this uh, arc of the story." And uh, I feel really grateful to to have gotten the music used in this new way. Yeah, that's one of my. If I had to pick a BFA moment that really resonated it was that uh that that sort of animatic uh i mean they're they're more like works of art to me i don't even think of them as technical but they're so so beautiful but um that music is i mean go just go look how many um covers there are on youtube at this point like it's insane how much people love that um and that must be great just even along the entire process of this of this game is to to find find out some of the characters and some of this great narrative part of why the great narrative is happening and part of why people are are, have a memory of it or feel a certain way about it is because the music is so iconic for it so so much carries the character and i noticed by the way in this new cinematic they just released that the intro to that thing is very, very uh, reminiscent of the original WoW theme. In fact, for all I know, it straight up is. I don't know how it's edited. Nice. But, uh, I'm going to play just a taste of it, and you can just kind of hear how this thing begins. And that's basically Thrall and uh, others, uh, Mar Anduin, marching up to uh, the front gates of Orgrimmar, in Duratan or Duratar, and that music, as far as I'm concerned, is World of Warcraft 2004 and me losing 20 hours a day trying to play that thing. Um, oh, it's cool. You know what's funny about that is I'd even, I mean, I just now I'm hearing that for the first time as you played it, yeah. and it's a neat surprise. Like, oh, that's the that's the original Orgrimmar theme, yeah. and it was so cool. It, you know, that's that's been a constant delight to see things like that get reprised. And and sometimes I'm surprised by it and I, I don't even know about it until it happens. And then I hear it and I'm just tickled by, by the fact that this stuff and it's to the credit of, of basically the people in charge. I currently, I guess, it would be Derek in charge with, uh, you know, the overall vision of the music to take these themes. I know Russell's always been great about it sure. and saying, well, here's the thing. I want to grab hold of this thing, want to find ways to reuse it. So that it builds a continuity. And I feel grateful that there's always been this desire to, to adhere to certain continuity in the sound. Yeah. And uh, and it's great. So, yeah, no, I, I'm very tickled to hear uh, Orgrimmar's kind of motif 
reappear there. It's yeah, awesome. It's a, and they've done such a great job this year because this is the first year that they've taken major story beats of the overarching story and continued to push them out in fully rendered, uh, you know, animated form, not just in-game cinematics. You know, not to say that what Taron Gregory and his team aren't doing isn't incredible because it is. It's a, I love that stuff. But the fact that we're getting these fully rendered intro quality level bits of story has been really a treat. But also, again, these these familiar musical threads are what are tying them together for me. And they just made, I mean, I got goosebumps just watching them walk up to those gates and seeing those gates rendered in, you know, beautiful, amazing, modern 3D and just this world that I've lived in for so long was so well represented and the music was absolutely 75% of that feeling. Um, so, you know, hats off to you and, and people like you who have been able to figure out a way to have the games sound the way that they do because we I, it wouldn't be the same. Well, I, that is a very, very cool thing to say. And I feel just eternally blessed and lucky to be involved with the, uh, the game worlds at Blizzard because, um, you know, no one had any idea. I certainly didn't have any idea uh what it would become and it's 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 super awesome to see and and feel very fortunate to be a part of it yeah i i, I agree and I'm, I'm super glad we got this chance to chat do you have uh do you got any projects going on these days that you want people to know about you probably got secret things you can't talk about but uh, it's any- always that way isn't it it's just like you know, it's, <laughs> it's never possible to say anything I, I can say i can say this i'm part of a new small little indie development studio uh, that's basically threatening to put Nashville, Tennessee on the map for video game development in a way they haven't been before. Mm. And uh, I can say absolutely nothing about what's going on, but it's exciting. <laughs> and it's it's kind of a return to a much smaller feeling for me. It's like a very intimate group. And uh, it's kind of fun to oh, be yeah. involved in that kind of experience again. Yeah, it must be fun to go to go back to that. I hear that a lot from, from Blizzard people. It's funny because when they, when they leave Blizzard, it isn't like they don't leave sourly and go, well, I'm going to go find something smaller. It's like, all right, I've done this thing where this unique experience where it's just so big and so bombastic and so influential, but I want to kind of go, you know, it's nice to go back and experience the small startup again that, that, that was blizzard. Not that many years ago. Not that I'm digging myself. Like I've said before, I mean, uh, I hope to do more stuff and to be a part of blizzard's future. So we'll see where it goes. But uh, but I love I mean, those game worlds are in my bloodstream. They'll always will be. And uh, and no, I'm excited about the possibility of maybe taking another turn uh, in, in a blizzard world again. But uh, but no, it's it's fun to do what I'm doing now, too. Yeah, it's great. And I'm sure that experience will will uh, move forward with you as you do it. I'm super stoked to hear what it is and when it happens. Also, always look forward to your work uh, at Blizzard, and hopefully something will come up uh, soon where we can hear your work again. Uh, I feel like we're going to hear your work forever, though, because that theme just continues to just own the planet, and it will never go away. <laughs> it will always be a thread through everything we ever do in that game, and I uh, I think that's a good thing. Uh, Jason Hayes, everybody, thanks again for uh, chatting with me, man. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Scott. I really, really enjoyed it.
This show is part of the Frog Pants Network. Frog Pants Network. Get more shows like this at frogpants.com.